The deadly coronavirus made its way to the United States. And even in the far reaches of Alaska, we were advised by our United States government, stay home, stay safe. All of a sudden, we were in isolation. While in isolation, I started a podcast called Climate Change Is Here. This film is a product of this important effort to make the world aware and engage them in this critical conversation about climate change and the real threat it is imposing on people, our environment, and the health of both. There's a lot of naysayers still. There's a lot of people that want to say that there is not a climate crisis. Just like there's a lot of people who didn't believe that the virus even exists. No running water, no flush toilet, and then multiple generations living in one home. So that's just gosh, jet. That's just the recipe for a, a, a virus like COVID. Akiak is hitting at about 60% of the population affected by COVID. There's deaths happening in the villages, and yeah, it's pretty devastating. I don't know if it's willful ignorance or if it's just that they're, they're thinking, you know, on a, just a purely economic uh, perspective. but. You can't ask of people who have been connected to a place for so long to just uproot and move to someplace else. It, that's that's not, you know, for for the natives and for the, 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 the tribe that lives there, that's not an option. Kivalina is a village that's located on a a strip of land that is getting narrower by the day from erosion, primarily because of the ice continuing to melt uh, due to global warming. Buildings and things are falling into the water. So they uh, need to move, but the urgency of moving won't be funded until it's actually a disaster area. They don't have any centralized or even decentralized uh, sanitation there, and so most people do use what they call a honey bucket, which is a five-gallon bucket. They live in homes with uh, maybe two or three generations of family members there. And so trying to deal with that on a daily basis is, is burdensome. It's a very unsanitary um, unsanitary way of living, right? But that's, that's all we knew, right? My childhood home, um, we finally got a flush toilet in our house just before we got into high school. There's about 300 villages that will be uh, subject to uh, the climate uh, change there and will have to move because their villages are being eroded away because they're along the coast and the, and the coast is being taken. It's going to cost them hundreds of millions of dollars uh, to, to relocate and to move. There are severe weather patterns that exist up here. The same pack ice that I talked about that has been retreating also protects this peninsula from the worst ravages of winter storms. On top of that, the warming climate is melting the permafrost. 
And then the migratory patterns and the fish, they uh, live in a certain temperature, they return at a certain time of the year. When the climate starts to shift, migratory patterns shift, uh, it may be more expensive to get out to where the uh, resources are. I mentioned fuel can cost eight, nine, ten dollars a gallon. And uh, when you're spending a, a few hundred dollars to try to get out to a place to harvest something, the cost becomes sometimes prohibitive. Same is true with bullets. So all of these challenges come together and add to the stress that a community is experiencing. Uh, my mother attended a Catholic boarding school for uh, her uh, primary school uh, and went to a Bureau of Indian Affairs boarding school for uh, high school. That was framed in a different way after I became familiar with the Adverse Childhood Experience Study and later on the whole world of toxic, tolerable, and normal stress. Since discovering the Adverse Childhood Experience Study, I have related it to a number of root causes of problems and issues that not only Alaska Natives but non-Natives have faced. When we talk about power, uh, it's not political. When we talk about power, it's not this grid that provides our energy. When, when we talk about power, it really is um, the water and the wind and the waves and the thunder and the lightning. That's power. When I talk about the earth, you know, purging because she has a fear, that's what I'm talking about. Our dilemma is, will we be able to handle that purge together? And uh, you went up there and rented a house. Can you tell me about that? Sure. So um, we had stayed in a house up there. Um, we found out a, f a few days after we had been there that someone had committed suicide there. Uh, just a few days before, so it was it was tragic. We don't know the, the all the details of that, but um, it's it's a common thing that happens there. People have struggles up there, and uh, and and that's often how they hate they resolve it, which is which is terrible, terribly tragic. This parade celebrates the end of the sealing season on St. Paul. The Aleuts that live here call it Homer Gone Day, in remembrance of the day when the U.S. revenue cutter Homer left the island laden with seal skins the Aleuts were forced to harvest. It was done with the blood, sweat, and tears of our people who were only given a subsistence living. My, my traditional name was given to me at four years old by the last Kuyak that was left alive amongst my people. He gave me his, his name. And uh, this is something that's been passed along from generations. And uh, we would call each other Kuya. And um, uh, that, that name means like an arm extending out from the body, a carrier of ancient knowledge into modern times, a messenger. I was born and raised on St. Paul Island, part of the Pribilof Island in the middle of the Bering Sea that is not part of the Aleutian chain. 
um, but is, is in the middle, up above the Aleutian chain, about 250 miles uh, from the nearest land uh, along the Aleutian chain. And um, this is, a, I was born and raised on an island that's uh, very small, it's 12 miles wide and, and uh, uh, 12 miles long and five miles wide. Um, and we had, we had, when I was a child, about 1.2 million northern fur seals and two and a half million seabirds, a thousand reindeer, and uh, 500 Dunungan people uh, in both St. George and St. Paul. St. George is our sister village 40 miles away. There is a pattern in Alaska of brutal exploitation and policy assumptions that worked against the cultures of the regions. The Aleuts fared no better in the hands of the federal government during the wartime relocation program of World War II. December 7, 1941, the Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor and the U.S. enters the Second World War. The war was brought to Alaska in June of 1942 the Japanese bombed Dutch Harbor on Unalaska Island. Repulsed by the U.S. Army, the Japanese withdrew to the islands of Attu, Agatu, and Kiska at the end of the Aleutian chain. Although these Aleutian islands were hundreds of miles away from the Pribilovs, the Aleuts of St. George and St. Paul were evacuated and taken to internment camps in southeast Alaska. I don't want to go through that experience again. It's, I just can't describe how sad it was. To get to know my grandfather and for my grandfather to get to know me, I had to be with him 24-7 for two years, starting at age four. Um, and uh, I, went, uh, I went to work with him. Uh, at that time, they were, they were slaves of the federal government. And, um, uh, but nevertheless, he would take me to work with him every day. I would drink tea with him and, and his friends every night. Um, I would pray with him every day where we'd go down to the Bering Sea and take off our shirts and spray ourselves with the Bering Sea, praying towards the east. And that evening, we might go to the Russian Orthodox Church. He didn't see any, any uh, importance in where one got one's spirituality. Uh, my people understood that we had to be present in the moment and in the heart. The rest will be taken care of. And it requires a trust in every aspect of being a human being that we had to embody this trust at the cellular level where we trusted in ourselves, our lives, trust in, in our community, trust in uh, the land, the sea, trust in the uh, Mother Earth, universe, and a being that we call a role. That we need to trust at such a level that there was not a shred of a doubt in our bodies. And with that kind of trust, everything is taken care of if you're in the heart and present in the moment. 
that's uh, the way my people work. And when I asked my elder on St. Paul, he was uh, Father Lesenkoff, he said, uh, you know, look at, look at the birds. You think that they worry about where they're going to get their food the next day? And are we any different? And of course the answer is no, that we are not any different. The animals don't worry about where they're going to get their food the next day. What makes you happy about being the priest at St. Paul? Well, first of all, is I seen the people love me, and I love them, especially the children I baptized. At one time, that church was the only private property my people had, still have today. And that is where we could all go and be ourselves. And if it continues that way, I don't think I have too much to worry about. Primaloff Islands are called the birthplace of the winds. So we get wind all the time. But in this day, it was perfectly calm. There was no wind. Uh, the sea was perfectly flat and there was no cloud in the sky. We get 20 days of sunshine a year in, in the Bering Sea. This day was very unusual. And the seals were barking and the, and the, the birds were singing and and uh, I just, at four years old, I, I had to remark in, in Nungantunu, uh, the, the Aleut language, I, I said something like, it's sure beautiful. And he just puts his finger to his lips and said, Tutuda. And what he said, uh, probably encapsulates why our people survived and thrived in Bering Sea for over 10,000 years, and that is that uh, we should listen and not remark, because as soon as we say a word, try to express our feeling, we diminish the experience. So the most important of human experiences um, uh, are not to be um, vocalized, that, that we need to just take it all in. What we know in the Bering Sea, the scientists, bless their hearts, they're struggling with trying to understand what's happening in the Bering Sea. They don't know the kinds of things that we know. For example, uh, our elders tell us that uh, uh, the fur seals and the seabirds are like honeybees. They send out mess of scouts looking for food and they come back and they signal it to their rookery. Mother Earth, she has survived for billions of years. She's going to survive for billions more. It's a question about whether or not we humans are going to survive. And it's going to be decided by people in this lifetime and uh, that what it requires is that we reach our gift within our hearts. The hearts, uh, from our understanding, is the only place that is in connection with the divine. 
and um, it's it's never guides us wrong. It always guides us impeccably right. We're in a win-lose situation and we can take our time and let the earth continue to warm and uh, and hope and pray, or we can stop our behavior like we did with this coronavirus. I think that virus had a lot to teach us about how we might be able to adapt better and more emergent, but I don't know, like there's a lot of naysayers still who didn't believe that the virus even exists. Just like there's a lot of people that want to say that there is not a climate crisis. But I like what Gore was saying in um, Inconvenient Truth. It's certainly inconvenient for a lot of people that don't want to look at it. But we need more people to be brave enough to look at it and to actually do something rather than sit on the fence and wait for someone else to do it because it's only our future at stake. How can we adapt our thinking to be more um, impactful around these issues as individuals? Communication is critical and important at a time like this, and it's only now really starting, uh, and it's being demanded by the American Indian Alaska Native community that climate issues be addressed because, uh, as we've just demonstrated, uh, we are severely affected and impacted by what's going on in climate change in this country and in this world today. Alaska Native people have had to adjust for centuries to changing circumstances and conditions. Back in the 1600s, the people who lived, who now live in, in the native village of Huna in southeast Alaska were actually living in Glacier Bay uh, during an advance of glaciers. And it was a rapid advance. Uh, the, the local people through the uh, oral history uh, said that the glaciers were moving as fast as a dog runs. So they left the Glacier Bay area relocated. Now those glaciers are receding as a part of the climate change that is occurring. But um, what's gonna happen is, is that they won't be able to return to their traditional homelands because Glacier Bay is now a, a, a wilderness area. It's uh, not accessible uh, to people, in fact, uh, cruise ships are limited to, I think, one hour in the bay itself. Uh, and so uh, a lot of the issues faced by Alaska Natives is that uh, because Alaska was such a pristine state uh, back in the 1970s and 80s, a lot of it was set aside for uh, federal purposes. It just uh, gives me another argument for if the feds have so much land here and are locking up so many resources, uh, is it not a part of their obligation to return some of that resource value to Alaska Native communities that suffer as a, uh, because of their inability to develop those resources. I think of back in the um, 90s, I met this um, elder from Greenland. Was it Greenland? And um, he was from a village up there and he was going around the, the globe going around the earth and he was talking about this prophecy and what he said was that um, 
one day he's going to be you know he that culture he comes from is canoe culture also like us you know we, we're surrounded by water here we're in the pacific <laughs> and he was saying that you know one day he, he would be paddling down fifth avenue in new york and water would be like five stories high and 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 so i think that that's a real simplified version or way of thinking about what's to come in alaska and the arctic there are four lenses we can use to see climate environment human rights and health we may call it systems thinking or design thinking to plan for solutions on multiple levels connecting the dots benefiting the people who are there and investing in them in my own state of california too close for comfort enormous fires devastate the people and the landscape there's no turning away a sense of anxiety can be felt in the air we face potentials and problems. So what are the potentials? Thanks to Zoom technology, hosts and media producers like myself were able to continue our work and conduct interviews and share content. Music